You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. Christian growth and maturity. And the message text is found in 1 Corinthians 14.20, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14, Hebrews 5, verse 12 to 14, and Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 to 15. And we are going to crisscross these passages as we move on. Shall we all rise and give reverence to the reading of his word? I will read first, when the color changes, it is your turn to read. Then we will read the last verse all together. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, how be it in malice, be babes, but in understanding be men. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are ahead. Verse 14, I press toward the goal for the price of the out upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, all together, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, even Christ. May the good Lord add the blessing in the reading of his word. Shall we all bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer? Father, you have called your people to be your messengers, and you have equipped us, given us the tool that we may use it, Father, and preach it and share it with clarity. We also confess, Father, that there are times that we have forgotten the love that you have in your word, so that, Father, we can also preach this with charity. Bless us now, Father, as we study your word, that, Father, we may grow in you. And that uh, your word, Lord, will be a guide and a strength and power for all of us that we may grow and mature in the ministry that you have called us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated, please. Let us start our study today with questions. The question is, how long have you been in the service of the Lord? Some will say, oh, five years. Some will say one year. I, I, I just came in the ministry. I've just started. Some may say eight years or ten years. And maybe some of us, 20 years. Very well, maybe we have graduated on some levels of uh, our study. And in our Christian life, spiritual life. If that is then, how do you assess your spiritual growth? Maybe some will say, I'm still growing. For how long? You know? I don't know. Maybe some still will say, I'm still running the race. I'm in the race. I'm still growing. You know? Some may say, I'm not in a hurry. 
I just come. I, I'm, I'm here to stay. The truth, my friends, brothers and sisters, there are those who are just walking in their spiritual life. And the worst is there are those who are still crawling their way through the race for life instead of running the race. Christian growth and maturity, my friends, is not inborn to a believer. No one can say that when he was born again, received Christ as Lord and Savior, he grew and matured immediately. No. In fact, Christian growth growth and maturity is a working process in the life, the spiritual life of a believer. Paul himself could not say that I have matured right away when I met the Lord. You can remember, he met the Lord in the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, and the Lord showed him many things, uh, told him many things. And in, in, uh, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul said, I do not count myself to have apprehended. That was at the peak of his, of his uh, spiritual life, his ministry. He said, I, I, I could not say that I have comprehended. I do not say that I have matured. This is a man speaking who has seen and met the Lord personally. And God showed him many things. And still he says, I do not say that I have comprehended. Now, the Apostle Peter also, Peter is the spokesman of the 12 apostles. We should know that. No? And uh, the Apostle Peter denied the Lord three times. And that is very, very significant to all of us, believers. And uh, Scripture also says in Matthew 26, chapter 56, all the disciples, apostles, forsook him and fled. And in uh, verse 57, it says, Peter denied the Lord Jesus three times. While most of us are like the religious leaders who condemned the Lord Jesus on some of his teachings, sometimes we argue, you know, sometimes we rebut in some of his teachings. And uh, it is like contradicting him with the truth that was written in his word. And we are also like the disciples sometimes. Because in one time in our life, we also deny him. Especially when we are under pressure. Today, my friends, our study will be centered on the spiritual growth and maturity of a believer, and we will look at some of the important points that will lead us and help us to grow and mature in our spiritual life. So the three important points of study that we are going to deal with is, first is the identification of spiritual maturity. How am I going to know that I am spiritually maturing? The second is mature Christians are identified by truth and love. And the third, mature Christians are identified by knowledge in teaching and feasting on solid food. And we have the passages that we are going to deal with. So uh, the first, my friends, is identification of spiritual maturity. How do I identify spiritual maturity in me? Make it personal, be personal, be personal, me. How, how am I going to identify? Okay. Spiritual growth and maturity, my friend, is, friends, is identified by good understanding. 
of the word. Of course. 1 Corinthians 14.20 said, Be not children in understanding, in malice, in malice, be babes. Instead, be men. So the Apostle Paul is speaking about two groups of Christians. One who is growing and maturing and one who is still a babe. Okay. <laughs> there is one sense in which we should be childlike in the ministry of the Lord. And that is in the matter of malice, according to the passage. So what is malice then? What is this? Malice is a wrongful act, okay, that results in harm. That is malice. A desire to harm others or see others suffer. Paul is saying here, those who speak in malice are those who are still babes in Christ or unlearned in their spiritual life. On the other hand, those who have grown in the faith are those who think in the maturity of men. Okay? They have grown up or are maturing in the faith. How do we speak? How do we speak, my friends? How? Um, example, the word, I love you. I'm speaking to this group, not you, okay? <laughs> I know you don't know anything <laughs> about I love you. Not yet. <laughs> okay, <laughs> how do we speak with malice or maturity, brothers and sisters? I love you. Let's uh, take the example of a couple speaking about love, talking about love. Honey, do you love me? Ooh, don't listen. Do you love me? <laughs> oh, yes, honey, I love you. Okay, very sweet. Second time. Honey, do you really love me? You know I love you. The third time. Honey, do you really, really love me? I told you I love you. That last, that last word, I love you, seems to be that the maturity in uttering I love you is lost because it's not, it's not sweet anymore. So the question here is, brothers and sister, sisters, how do we speak with malice and without malice? How can this person of malice grow? And how can we gauge Christian growth? First Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The pure milk, it says, A believer, even if he or she has been in the service of the Lord for quite some time, or even for a long period of time, is still undeveloped, unlearned, and is still considered the babe in Christ if he or she speaks in malice. Because we should remember that words can destroy and kill a person. There is no need for a gun. There is no need for a knife or a hammer. You destroy by words that we utter in malice. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Now let's go to some application principles here of malice. One characteristic of newborn babes or babies or children is that they yearn for milk. Okay? And if that milk is given to them all the time, 
this baby, this babe, grows. When we were born again, we become immediately newborn spiritual babes in Christ, babies in Christ. If we will yearn for the pure milk of the word, we will grow. How sad it is that some never grow. Five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years. I'm still growing. The pure milk of the word means, this is what it means. It is the unadulterated teaching of the word. It is truth without mixture of error. It is pure. Once we see our need for God's word and begin to yearn for it, look for it, study for it, we begin to find nourishment in our spiritual life in Christ. Our spiritual appetite will increase then, and we will start to grow and mature. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 1 said, A man who walks in his integrity is better than the man who is perverse in his lips, and he is a fool. So if you are a babe in Christ for so many years, you might be speaking in malice because you are undeveloped, unlearned, and maybe you're a fool. Those are the words of the scripture. So what do we need? Yearn for the pure milk of the word so that we will draw. Second is uh, growing in the faith leads to a goal. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, the Apostle Paul said, I press towards the goal of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So the question here, Paul is speaking about the goal. The question here, here is, do you have a goal? Do we have a goal? Uh, maybe you say yes. Maybe you're just a Sunday, Sunday in, Sunday out. You know. See you next week, Pastor. Okay. If I'm not busy, I'll pray for you, Pastor said. So uh, the question is, what is your goal, beloved? Paul said that his goal is to know Christ to be like Christ and to be all Christ he had in mind for him. This goal took up all of Paul's energies in the ministry. And likewise, we should also be focused to a goal. What is the goal here? Very clear. The high calling of God. So, are we called? Are you called? What is the answer? Maybe. No, I don't know. Remember, once you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, you are called. And you are placed in the starting line of the race for life. You have to run the race. No Christian will be left behind somewhere being a spectator a cheering squad while the others are running the race for life. No. All of us will have to be involved. The goal is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, according to the Apostle Paul. This requires unwavering, absolute obedience in faith with faith that is the goal second timothy chapter 4 verse 8 says apostle paul said finally there is laid up for me a 
crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will give me on that day. When is that day? The day is when he finishes, he reaches the finish line. That finish line is when God is going to call him home. And the righteous judge is waiting to give him that crown. It means to say, from the time we receive him as Lord and Savior, we are going to run the race until we finish and reach the finish line. There is not, this is not a now you see me, now you don't. You have to take that commitment, that responsibility, which goes with accountability. You will be, we will, we will be accountable. Now, um, the third, my friend, is uh, spiritual growth and maturity is seen in failures and achievement. How is that? In failures? I'm a failure and now I'm still growing? Have you ever think about that? How does this failure affect us to do effective ministry? Now, this is very true. Nobody, nobody can say no with what I'm going to say. You and I, we have all done things for which we are ashamed. You look back behind you in the past. What are you going to see? Darkness. There was nothing good. Or else, you're not going to be renewed spiritually to be a new person. You know? And because of that, the things in the, fa- the past, we live in the tension of what we have been. And in between, to what we want to become. Sometimes we cannot do effective ministry because of those things in the past. But because our hope is in Jesus Christ, we can let go of the past. Those guilt that we have experienced and look forward forward to what God will help us become. Paul is saying here, don't dwell on your past. Why? Because all those things, those guilt in the past, are baggages for a person who will run the race. You can just imagine you're running the race for life with those baggages behind you. You cannot forget those things. You are already a forgiven child of God and still, oh, I did this. You cannot do effective ministry. And when the road goes up in the Christian life, you will experience the ups and downs in the ministry. And when it goes up because of your baggages that you're carrying, what will happen? You stumble back. Start again. It's the same all over because of the baggages we have in the past. They are a burden in running the race for life. One example, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul have all the reason to forget the past. If you have read Acts chapter 7, Verse 57 and 58, those passages will tell you that Paul held the coats of those who had stoned Stephen to death. Who is Stephen? He was a leader in the first century church. A great leader, full of faith, according to the book of Acts. This is a dark spot in the past, in the life of Paul, Stephen became also the first Christian martyr. You can just imagine, every time we are going to talk about the martyrs of the faith, 
if you have read the uh, the facts, a book, facts book of martyrs, by that, you will see how all these Christian martyrs have been martyred. Facts, books of martyrs. It's a, an awesome book, amazing. And the Stephen, Stephen is the first Christian martyr, and every time we are going to study the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7, and read about Stephen, you will connect Paul, Saul, who was responsible for murdering him. The application principle here, my friends, is this. Number one, forget the past. Instead, grow in the knowledge of God by concentrating on your relationship with him now. Don't live in the past. Realize that you are a forgiven child of God. You are forgiven. You are, you are running the race for life with a clean slate. And then move on to a life of faith and obedience. Forget the garbage. Forget the, the burdens. God wants you to to reach the finish line. He wants you to be there because he is waiting with that reward. In achievements, who is Paul? So, Paul is a Pharisee of Pharisees. That means to say of all the Pharisees, he's on top. Who is on top of Paul? The high priest. So, Paul was being groomed to be the high priest. This is one of his achievements. Paul came from the stock of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin. He, he is a Benjamite, a very proud Israelite, the ben, Benjamin tribe, tribe of Benjamin. He was almost, do, almost there on top. And Philippians, if you will read Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, he said, I count everything rubbish. I count everything garbage that I may gain Christ. That's what he said. I also count all things less for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. As long as I have Christ, everything is garbage to me. Everything that I have achieved, all my success, I throw that away. Take it. Just give me Christ. That's what he's saying here. This is a very powerful statement and commitment for Christians. And verse 7 says, All things I have achieved in my life, all my success and achievement, I counted it lost. He is a loser. Lost for those things. For Christ. That's what he said. So, uh, the second emphasis, we go to the second. Mature Christians are identified by truth and love. You have the passages there. Mature Christians should be committed to the truth. Nothing else but the truth, which is written in, in his word. That's why if you are a Christian, Evangelical, you must not forget the word sola scriptura, the Bible only. That's where we get the truth. Christians should be committed to the truth. To the truth, this is the element in which we are to live, in which we are to move, and have our being molded. By constant knowledge of it. Now we must remember this. The truth is married to love. It is just like receiving and receiving. You cannot believe in Christ without receiving. You cannot receive Christ without believing. They go hand in hand together. You cannot separate. You cannot separate 
truth and love. They are married together. Now, the truth, what are we going to say about the truth? Good tidings. Good tidings, when spoken harshly, are not good tidings anymore. Why? Because the charm of the message is destroyed by the discordant attitude and spirit of the messenger. So discordant means not being in accord or conflicting. What is important here is we must remember the words walk the talk. Whatever you preach, whatever you believe, you practice. That is why when we, when we deliver the message of the gospel, it should be delivered not in a harsh word or not even in a very dogmatic way of sharing the, the love of God. The essence of the message will be lost. Believers who never become involved in aggressive service of Christ never emerge from being spiritual, growing child of God. They are undeveloped through lack of knowledge and the exercise of spiritual wisdom. That is why it was to such that the writers to the Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. After 20 years, after 15 years, after all these years, still you need someone to teach you the first Principles of the oracles of God. And you also come here to need of milk, not solid food. We'll discuss that. First is knowledge. What is knowledge? Sometimes you always speak about knowledge and wisdom. Oh, knowledge and wisdom is, you know. Knowledge is acquired through the practice of faith. They are the experiences acquired through ministry experience. When you're involved in the ministry, you experience these things in the ministry. Those are knowledge, knowledge of the ministry. However, wisdom is different. Wisdom is the application of that knowledge that you have learned, okay, and acquired. You learned this and acquired it. Now you put it into practice in your ministry. That is wisdom. Knowledge of the truth with wisdom always comes together. They are brothers. Just like love, truth, and love. Just like believing and receiving. Those three partners, they team up together for a believer to grow up. Just like the believing and receiving in John 1.12, to be a child of God, to be called the children of God, you have to believe and receive. And here we are, knowledge and wisdom for growth and maturity of the believer in Christ. The second, my friends, is speaking the truth in love. Very, very important. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, even Christ. Christian growth and maturity, my friends, remember this, flies with two wings. Okay? The first wing is the truth. The second wing is love. If you only have truth, you'll be flying like this. When are you going to reach the finish line? No. If you have love, you keep on speaking about love, 
when there is no truth. You know, a lot of people nowadays, they said they're Christians. They grow up with love. They love the world. They love this. They love that. But the truth, there is none. So truth and love, my friends, comes together. They're brothers. Okay. Now, God has given his, char- his church an unsurmountable task. Remember that. The church has to make disciples of all nations. To teach and teach. says in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Teach them. And teach them whatsoever I have commanded you. There is an emphasis in teaching. We are to teach. We are to preach. We are to nurture. We are to get involved in healing. Okay? Giving and administering in the body of Christ. To accomplish this task, we have to carry his message with the truth. Whenever we bring a, a, a messenger who comes to you and gives you a message from someone, it has to be true. Likewise, a Christian messenger who is also an ambassador of a king, when we go and bring a message, it should be a message of truth. It is um, in, impossible to accomplish the mission without it. To understand truth, believers should understand who Jesus is. You should have that relationship of faith so that you will understand truth. Why? Because John 1.14 says, Jesus is the word who became flesh the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, if you will know Jesus, you will know the truth. That means you say, God is truth, Jesus is truth, the Holy Spirit is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. So, if you will know the Lord Jesus, you will know who the Father is. He is the full embodiment of the Father. So, uh, the Christian, if we are going to grow, we have to grow in Jesus Christ only through him. Okay. The second wing is love. Love is one of the most important spiritual gifts in the church. Great faith, those Acts of dedication, sacrifices, miracles, working powers in the church, they have little effect without love. It's not going to work without love. There are two things that we have to understand in the church. We have the upfront gifts. We have the behind-the-scenes gifts. Now, the upfront gifts... Example is speaking. Oh, we know people who are speaking the truth. Okay. They are the gift of teachings and singing. These are the upfront gifts. We always see this and we always experience it. And these gifts are more highly regarded than the behind the scene gifts. The behind the scene gifts are the gift of helping. Serving, loving, praying. You don't see this. These are the behind the scene gifts in the church. Speaking the truth in love is not always easy. It is not always convenient or pleasant. You know, when you speak the But if the church is to do Christ's work in this fallen world, we have to speak the truth in love. We have to embrace both truth and love. And you know, some of us are very fairly good in speaking the truth. You know? We speak the truth. 
many times, but we forget to be loving. Some of us are good at being loving, but we don't have it in us to level with others if the truth is painful. How is the truth painful? I'll give you an example. When a brother or a sister is living in sin or is sinning, how are you going to speak the truth in love? See? Sometimes you don't level with it. We are scared to tell this brother or this sister, sister, brother, you are living in sin. You have to speak the truth in love. How are you going to speak the truth in love? You love first. You confront a sinning brother or a sister with love without that judgmental attitude. Your goal is to win a brother or a sister, not to make an enemy. When you speak the truth in love. That's why, uh, as a pastor of the church, I always recommend to the council. I get the uh, bylaws and constitution. The bylaws and constitution must have a subparagraph entitled, How to Regain Back a Fallen Brother or a Sister. You always invite sinners to come in to embrace love. You don't kick them out. There is a program. And then you are going to line up the offenses. Immorality, number one. Um, Illegal disbursement of funds. Preaching untruth, other doctrine. Those are the major, major offenses. Then the minors, you know, lying. And all others... uh, Speaking with malice and hurting, you know, uh, being, uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, offenses. So the church program in the bylaws, there is that one portion. That is how to win people to Christ and to his body. Now, um, knowing, in, in uh, we, 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 Go to number three. Christian growth builds Christian character. Speaking the truth in love, then we go to Christian growth builds Christian character. Question. How are we going to know that Christian character is being built in us? How will I know, or to make it simple, how is Christian character built? How will I know? How will you know? Okay? Two passages tells it all. James chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. 3 and 4. Go there. It's, this is important because we can build Christian character with these two passages. Verse 3 says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Okay? But let, in verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, wanting nothing. Christian character. Okay. Christian growth and maturity, we should remember, is not a smooth sailing activity in the life of a believer. In Christ. No. It's not a smooth sailing. You cannot say that when I receive Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm okay. Remember the enemy. The enemy, Satan, has a gun, has a rifle. Oh, this guy. Once this guy sleeps in worship service, he's mine. Boop. This guy is not listening. You know? He has his weapons always trained at us 
waiting for us to make that mistake or fatal mistake. Okay? So, it is not a smooth sailing activity in the life of the believer. We will experience the ups and downs in Christian ministry, in our spiritual life. Trials and persecution will be forthcoming. It is sure to come, according to verse 3 and 4. It is coming. When it comes, how are we, or how are you, or how am I going to respond? When it comes to us. Very important. Now, um, first let's go to the word patience. Patience is a Christian character. It's how to remember this, build the Christian character through patience. Patience means being tolerant. Being bearing. Understanding and not making hasty, impulsive decision when trials and persecution comes to us. The bell of patience. James is telling his listeners that trials and persecution is sure to come. And when it comes, this is what you're going to do. Have Patience. Think. Don't just make impulsive decisions and moves. Go into prayer. Understand what is happening. And when you do that, the character of patience will produce another character, Christian character. You know what that is? Endurance. Because you are very patient. You are understanding what's going on in your spiritual life. You are enduring what is happening. Allow some time. Do not make any hasty decision. And uh, run in panic. Oh, I'm being persecuted. I'm... Being trial, trials always always comes to me. Oh, here we go. No. <laughs> Try to understand. Because patience and endurance will come together for us to grow. You will be patient and you will endure. Two important Christian character if we want to grow and mature in our spiritual life. Verse 3 and 4 says, if you will practice these two characters, it will lead you to a certain place where God wants you to be. What is that place in your spiritual life? It is a position, actually. You know that position? According to verse 4, a Christian wanting nothing. Complete. You know what that means? It means a matured, born-again child of God. Wanting nothing means one who is built up in the faith, very contented with his position in Christ and with his relationship with the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know that. Psalms what? Come on. 23, okay. So, <laughs> why are you guys quiet? <laughs> All right. So, uh, one thing nothing means one who is built in the faith and with this relationship with God. All he needed was his Savior in his life. If he is not going to acquire those things in this world and in the life of the physical man, it doesn't matter. I'm contented. I have Christ. I will not be found wanting. The problem is even Christians, matured Christians, sometimes they are found wanting. 
Why? Because there is no contentment in his spiritual life. He still needs this. He still wants this. After 20, 25, 30 years of service in the Lord, he is still in want. The third, mature Christians are identified by knowledge in teaching and feasting on solid food. According to Hebrews 5.12, knowledge, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk, not solid food. Knowledge in order for infant Christians to mature Christian must acquire knowledge from the pure, unadulterated word of God. And if we are going to be in want of this, it will lead us to grow and to be discerning. So what is discerning then? Knowing what is truth and what is not truth, what is false, okay? Between truth and false teaching, between love and hatred, being being a babe in Christ and a mature growing child of God. So we are going to be discern, discerning because of this. Now, um, the... We will just give an example here, and then we are going to end. The writer to the Hebrews is saying, you are not a babe in Christ anymore. It's about time you take responsibilities in the ministry. As a grown-up man, you ought to be asking for solid food. What is solid food? What does solid food mean? Solid food means the deeper commitment for Christ. It is time to take responsibilities on your ministry and bear the accountabilities. When you take responsibility, there is an accountability. In the church, in the body of Christ, you are accountable for that ministry. With the Lord, you are also accountable. If you are a teacher, you have to teach the truth. You are accountable to God. To the body of Christ, you are also accountable because if you are going to teach wrong doctrines, other doctrines, this believer will be swayed by other wind of doctrines and it is you who is accountable. And the church will be ganging up on you. you know? The pastors, oh, why, did you, why are you teaching this? You are accountable. And you know what? Responsibilities with accountability are the things a babe in Christ does not want to take. That is why they are unlearned and undeveloped when it comes to responsibilities. Oh, you know what? Witnessing? Oh, that's the job of the pastor. Come on, give it to the pastor. Give it to the deacon. They don't want to take responsibilities. They always run away from the work. Leave it to the, to the deacons. Leave it to the elders. Look at him. They are knowledgeable. Leave it to them. They remain to be babes in Christ. That is the reason. Number two is the building walls. Spiritual walls, walls through, through teaching and preaching. I'll give you two examples. The first example that I can give you is the example of Nehemiah the builder. Nehemiah is not a priest, you know. He is called Nehemiah the Builder because he is the person who led the first group of Israelites to return back to Jerusalem and build the walls of the city. It lies in ruins. You know? So he led 
However, that is not only that is not the only wall that has to be built. There is another wall that has to be built. It is the inner wall. And the second group of Israelites led by Ezra described the priest came. And when he came to Jerusalem, he built the spiritual walls. He preached and teached the laws of God to Israel. And he was ready to practice it, walking the talk. Likewise, my friends, it, it, just read Ezra chapter 7. And verse 10 will tell you about Ezra. Likewise, like Israel, my friends, we also have walls to build. We have our outer walls and the inner walls of our spiritual life. There are two walls. The outer wall of our spiritual life is our personal testimony. Outside of the church, this is the wall that you have to build. A bad testimony will not bring people to the family of God. Bad testimony. Oh, I know that guy. Oh, I know this group, they always fight. I don't want to be there, you know. There's always faction. Remove those things in order for us to bring people in. We don't kick out people because of that bad outer wall. How about the inner wall? We also have to build our inner wall. The inner wall the study of the word of God, to preach it, and to bring out the message, bring the message outside, not only here. Don't stay in your comfort zone. Day, Sunday in, Sunday out, I'm here. Friday in, Friday out, I'm here. Always here. Never going out, never bringing anybody. How many souls have you brought to the Lord after five years, after 10 years, after 15 years? How many? Some could not even raise a finger, you know. Oh, I'm always present. Your presence is not always required, although it is required for you to get involved. But how about the soul? Do you know that when you get up there, 1 Corinthians 3.15, 13 to 15, all our works will be made manifest on that day, works are to be judged. And those good works, as a believer, preaching and sharing the gospel, those are the things that you're going to bring with you. You cannot bring all those beautiful cars and houses. No way. Even your bank account, you cannot bring it there. The only thing that counts is your relationship with him, the souls that have been saved for him, the good works that we have done in teaching, preaching, the word, the truth, with love, those are the things that we carry with us there. That is how our works are going to be judged in the judgment seat of Christ. So building works and all those things. Ezra taught in two ways in teaching. Through speaking, teaching, and through the knowledge of the word. And second, he showed it in practice. He himself practiced what he taught. That's why the people of Israel followed him. And then they learned about the laws of God. Of course, knowing God. That is the ultimate result. Teaching is not an option. Remember, teaching is a command. It has never, it was never been changed. It stays up to now. That means to say that command was final. You will teach, I will teach, they will teach, 
He will teach, she will teach, all of us will teach. It is a command. Go and make disciples, teach them. Teach them whatsoever. There is an emphasis in teaching in the mission. So in conclusion, my prayers, the question is, how mature are you? Do you seek to grow and mature in your Christian life? Make a commitment for him today, now, and go make disciples. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the time. Father, we pray that uh, as we continue to hear your word and study your word, that we may continue also to grow and mature in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.